0: Welcome to Famous People You've Never Heard Of, the podcast brought to you by Blue Fire Theatre Company. Each week, Lottie, Linda or Steve will guide you through the centuries to shine the spotlight once again on entertainers the world has forgotten. Thank you so much for joining us as we chat to our fabulous guests and find out more about these forgotten superstars of history. If you enjoy the podcast, do please rate, review and most importantly, subscribe so that you never miss an episode and more people find out about us. And now, let us delay no longer in introducing you to a famous person you've never heard of.
1: Sadly, Vesta Tilly's name is no longer as well known as we think it should be. So we've gathered together some people with different types of interest in the girl from Worcester who became Burlington Bertie on stage and Lady De off stage to reveal exactly how much of a phenomenon she was. First we hear from Chris Yeager, director of the Worcester Festival and Vesta Tilly expert and then our Lottie has a chat with Anne Lindsay Wickens who has appeared as Vesta Tilly on stage several times about what it is like to get under the skin of such an iconic figure.
2: My name's Chris Yeager. I'm a resident of Worcester. Many years ago, I wrote a play about Vesta Tilly called Vesta, funnily enough, and that has now performed over 50 times around the country in in theatres. And for many years, I was chairman of the Vesta Tilly Society. Vesta Tilly was a remarkable woman, and she was born in Worcester. There is a blue plaque, not on her actual house, which doesn't exist anymore, but on uh, the nearest house to where her house stood and there are several buildings in Worcester uh, dedicated to her one of them is her halls of residence at the university and there is a, a a hall in Low'smore which is uh which is named after her um she she wasn't great at staying in touch with Worcester um she wasn't really a family person she she started touring at the age of three unbelievably and with her father, who she idolised. Um, once she went on tour, she, she virtually never came back. Um, she obviously wasn't close to her mother. In When she wrote her autobiography in, in 282 pages, she only mentions her mother, Matilda, once, uh, which is, I think, quite remarkable. Um, and once she'd left Worcester, she really ne- only came back once, uh, to open a conservative fate in in uh, her middle age, but but she wasn't she wasn't close to Worcester, that's for sure. What is for sure is what an amazing woman uh, she was. Um, once she she had made a decision at about the age of eleven that she would dress as a man. She never ever performed on stage as a woman, and she got away with a lot of material and stuff which a man wouldn't have got away with because she used to send up all the other stereotypes of, of of men and they loved it um whereas I think they would have been offended had it been had it been a man uh she was uh the second child of 13 so i suppose it's not surprising that uh her her family um uh, was not was not something that that she felt she could be close to um she never went to school for a day. She was self-educated through, through the theatre and through meeting people, but a very, very intelligent woman. Um, she was, for 30 years probably, the highest-earning woman in Great Britain. That's that's incredible. And, and she, she used to make uh, – at a time when uh, the average man's wage was a pound a week – she was earning 11 or 12 pounds a week uh, as as a 10 year old um which, which, which is terrific um she tried film a couple of times absolutely hated it never went back to it she she believed that performance was about live work and she hated the repetition of films um Later in life, uh, her husband was knighted for his efforts in the First World War, which indeed she helped with. She used to recruit from the stage sometimes, and uh, she would have a recruiting sergeant. She would she would appeal to to men. She would sing songs about how wonderful it was to be a soldier, and then they would sign them up. And at one particular occasion in the Hackney Empire, she uh, she signed up three hundred men uh, that became the Vestatili Platoon. Um, As I said, her husband was knighted and she became Lady de Vries. She was incredibly loved by the uh, people who came to see her. And when she retired in 1920, uh, theatres all over the country had leather-bound books that, that people could sign at her last performance to say goodbye. It was called The People's Tribute to Vesta Tilly. And there were over Two million signatures, a staggering figure in 1920. So um, she was probably the greatest music hall star that's ever been produced in this country. Uh, and she was certainly the most wealthy. Um, she came from a very, very poor and normal background and her incredible talent made her the superstar that she was. So that was Vesta Tilly.
0: To today's podcast, to Anne Lindsay Wickens, who has been playing Vesta Tilly for some time, I believe. Um, Hello, Anne. Hello. Hello. Tell us a little bit about you and and, and why you like the idea of playing Vesta.
3: I love the idea of playing Vesta. Um, We have myself and Marie Kelly, who Marie Kelly played Maury Lloyd, we have a company called Catapult Productions. We wanted to put on a two-hander. We'd seen the play Betty and Joan and thought it'd be nice to find two ladies in history who worked well together and sparked off each other, who were very, very different, polar opposites, for a bit of tension. We went through several, after much research, we thought to Tilly and Marie Lloyd. They were around at about the same time, and very different types of performers. So that's why we hit upon that. Um, I chose Vester Tilly, having played Vester Tilly many years before, and Marie would like to play Marie Lloyd, and that's how we divided it. We decided Michael Thomas wrote the play for us and we took it from there. We really enjoyed the research. I was fascinated by her autobiography. It was really fascinating, taking a step back in time. She was such an interesting person to play because although she tended or she was always known for playing a boy and then a man, but she was, in fact, very feminine. She said her female vanity would not let her cut her long, long locks, which were actually very curly. She spent many, many hours pushing her hair into a short wig but because she, she wanted to look very, very boyish. Um, so there were so many things about her. She lived to be 88. She had a very, very full life. She retired from performing and supported her husband who was a, a politician. So she had a very, very busy life. And in many directions, I just thought she was a fascinating person
0: to play. And uh, it's really interesting that you say about all the the long blonde curls, mm-hmm. because didn't she used to wear men's underwear as well to make apparently sure apparently she did, so she feel
3: much more masculine. <laughs> I suppose, in fact, that would in fact happen, wouldn't it? You would actually feel very, very much more masculine if you were wearing men's underwear.
0: I suppose, it would, yes, it would make you walk differently, wouldn't it? It certainly would. Yes, it certainly would. Yeah. <laughs> and do you do the the songs and everything as well yes you? absolutely
3: the songs and we found Burlington Bertie was we found the original Burlington Bertie from Bo was a later version for Ella Shields so we found the original Burlington Bertie and we had quite a bit of interest when we were playing the show because people would say but that's not Burlington Bertie say, yes it is Burlington Bertie the next piece because they couldn't actually use the same song um, they did because it was copywritten, they wrote Burlington Bertie from Bow, whereas Burlington Bertie is a very upper class gentleman, a Burlington Bertie from Bow is the opposite. So people are often surprised at that, and it was quite difficult to get hold of the original notes for that because that 's not around very much.
0: Well, it's not one that you hear very often because everybody knows Burlington Bertie from Bow because everyone's done that, haven't they? It's they have. The good old days. That was the one big musical song everyone it used was. to do.
3: I performed it in my, I think my first time when I was 15 in my school dancing show. Oh, did you? <laughs> so yeah, many, my grandmother actually bought me a suit for that and I still have the same suit now. So you have a, a poncho on for the, the pants
0: and the hat and oh, the cane early on.
3: Always happy in the tail suit. <laughs> It's such an elegant look, isn't it? It is an elegant look. It is an elegant look. I think in a man dressed, it looks really lovely.
0: Is there sort of something in
3: particular
0: about Vesta's life that you were interested in? I know you've read the autobiography.
3: Um, when we first started um, performing the show, my favourite scene was her proposal from her husband, Water. Because she was not going to give in. He was so insistent. And she teased him mercilessly. When they first met, she wasn't keen at all. His father was an impresario, a theatre man, and he wanted to go into that line of work as well. And she would take the mickey out of him saying, I hate those boys that sit at the front of the stage and throw flowers. What a waste of time. So she would not give in. He was very shy, very timid, asked her father if he could take her to a ball. And he, he said, oh, yes, you can. And apparently the first ball they went to together, she spent her whole time dancing with other men. He was very, very upset. And she, did, she gradually warmed towards him, but she did tease him mercilessly for quite a long time. I think she had a twinkle in her eye. She was she could be really, really funny. That aspect of her I liked very much. She was steely, very, very strong-minded, very driven, very career-orientated. But, yeah, she had a sense of fun in her, most definitely.
0: Uh, and she was kind of the, the one of all the hall turns who really sort of made it financially, didn't she, and uh, moved into the upper echelons of society.
3: She did. I think she was a best-paid female performer at one point, at any point something like £600 a week, which was phenomenal then.
0: It's a lot of money then, wasn't it? It
3: was, yeah. And I think she was quite happy to become Lady de Vries. I think that was a, a crowning glory. I think she didn't want to give up. She loved her performance, but she gave up, at I think, about 52. And, you know, she moved on to a new phase of her life and lived 36 more years. So she had a very, very full second part of her life as well. And she did enjoy that socialising.
0: And that um, second part of her life is that when she did all her charity work and was very much most because de he she was an was. MP, wasn't he?
3: He was an MP. Yeah. First of all, he was in the Liverpool area. He even moved into places like all over. All over. He moved about, but basically the Liverpool area to start with. And she would go to the door. He was a Conservative MP, and she would go into working class homes and say, "Well, here's my husband." Say, "Oh, Vesta." They'd invite her in, and quite often they'd end up voting for her husband. So she did quite a bit of, of, of um, p- political playing, really. Because everyone knew Vesta Tilly. And they thought, well, if he's married to her, if she likes him, he can't be a bad man.
0: Because we so, love her. Yeah.
3: Oh. Mm. And I think the same as when they were trying to get people to, just, to enlist for the First World War. Between Walter and Vesta, they got many, many men to sign up. But there was actually a platoon called Vesta Tilly's Platoon, that they signed up once on one particular day. So she was a very persuasive lady. And she did um, the, the recruiting songs, didn't she? She did. She did a lot of recruiting songs. Yes, mm-hmm. she did. Several. And I think she, yes, yeah, she was happy to get into car key. Um <laughs> And she did persuade a lot of people to sign up. I would imagine there were quite a few mothers or girlfriends and wives who were quite devastated when their loved ones didn't come home. But she did what the country was expecting them to do at the time.
0: I love the fact that I think you said he started in, in the, the Liverpool area and I think he was MP for, for Blackpool, wasn't he, Water? Yes he was, yes. And the fact that he was MP in Blackpool and they ended up living in Monte Carlo. Yes. Two entertainment <laughs> capitals of yes. the world. Yes, that's so that's so yes, true. a
3: slightly different climate. A very different climate. Very, very different climate. But I think as performers, we are adaptable. Yeah. <laughs> I think she would have been very adaptable. No, I think she probably gave him um, that working class feel, which is what helped him with his work.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: but also she wasn't really living the working class life, but she could, because of her performance, she, we, could, we can adapt as performers, can't we? And I, that, that reminds
0: me of that famous saying about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And he gave her class and she gave him sex.
3: yes. <laughs> That's so true. Yes, that yeah, is so
0: true. The perfect team. So and, yes. and pretty much the same on a different level with Oh very Vesta much so. And, and
3: I think couples can work very much like that, can't they?
0: Mm.
3: In you that know, one gives one side, one gives the other. And do you do you think that um Vesta would have taken the
0: same path if she were alive today? Do you think she would still have been on Oh balls? she'd be on television
3: every day? She'd be um a media center. A, a, she'd be a media sensation. She would be doing talk shows, chat shows, quiz shows. She would definitely constantly be working because she was very driven, very driven.
0: So, would you see her in as one of the Loose Women or something like that? She
3: probably would be a guest, but not a regular.
0: Right. right. She'd be on things
3: like QI, and she would definitely be around. Probably even social media. She would definitely be out there. She'd be doing television. She'd be doing film, doing theatre, whatever she could turn her hand at. And she was a very bright lady, wasn't she? She was. She was, she was
4: very, she was very clever. Which ones. is
3: interesting, considering she couldn't have had very much schooling, because I'm guessing she would have been touring around when she was working from the age of three. So I'm assuming she was partly home educated, very much attention to detail.
0: As proven by the, the men's undies.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> exactly, yes.
0: I <laughs> must stop talking about the men's don't talk, undies. We mustn't talk don't. about
3: men's underwear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Perish so the thought. You,
0: When you're playing her, do you sort of take her home a bit with you? Is there something of you in her and her in you, do you think?
3: I think there is, definitely. I think we can all, as performers and actors, we can always adapt into someone else's way of thinking. And I think studying her background did help in that. Um, I started quite early in life as a performer. But you, you think, yes, I can't tell how she feels. I don't think I'm similar to her in many ways. She could be very, very cutting and very abrasive. Um and she was very, very driven, which I admire. And I think that part of her I like to take on board and think, oh, I can be like this, very determined, very positive positive, very confident. Mm-hmm. There t- I think it's very nice to look at somebody else's attitude and think, yes, perhaps I could use that attitude.
0: We can learn from these people, can't we?
3: We can. When you think how successful she was in those days as a woman, that's phenomenal. Did she make any movies? No, I think no, there was a film about her called After the Ball, which was, mm-hmm. was afterwards. There were, I did see one or two little cine clips, but nothing particular. She did do pantomime. She was quite often principal boy in pantomime. She loved in panto. She was yes. apparently a very good principal boy. And her singing voice was, I've only heard, again, recordings of her as she was elderly. And it's very difficult to tell what her voice was like when she was younger. But it was, it was a good, clear voice.
0: And pretty strong, I should imagine,
3: because. Very much so.
0: In the, those good old days, there were no microphones mm. and big sound systems, were there?
3: And travelling from theatre to theatre in the open air at night and going to again. So she must have had quite a strong voice, yes.
0: Yeah. Must have made her quite a formidable person in her her later
3: years as well. I think so. Very much people would be a little bit in awe of her. She was a very large-than-life character anyway. I think she had had a circle of friends, but perhaps it wouldn't have been so easy to to know her if you weren't inside that circle of friends. Mm. In fact, she did come back to stay with a good friend when she died. She was left Monte Carlo to come back to London. Um, for a while, that's when she was staying with a friend and that's when she died in London.
0: And she's buried in London, isn't she? She
3: is. Yes, she is. Although she didn't come from London, it's nice that she's back in the UK. Yes. It would feel the right, feel the right thing to do. It just feels right, doesn't it?
0: It it does. Mm-hmm. She's back home, kind of. Oh,
3: absolutely. <laughs> she's back in her resting place, as it were.
0: And uh, I know, obviously, we're not terribly sure of what's happening in the... Uh, near to to mid future do
3: you um have plans to take her back out on the road we do indeed we're hoping to do a two-hander but it's a three-hander including an md which will be a little bit easier to tour than it was as a, a seven piece um taking it back out as vesta amari Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. We're hoping to do that in well again as soon as we can actually get the, the whole booking system going, hopefully from the summer onwards.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's been so nice to chat to you today and actually get a, a proper insight into what, what might have made Vesta work. Um, so good luck with the uh, the the tour. Let's hope that we're out there sooner rather than later.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a pleasure.
1: To celebrate International Women's Day in 2020 the composer Jessica Danheiser created an album entitled Orchestral Portraits. For her subjects, she had to select seven individuals from the hundred pioneering women featured in the National Portrait Gallery's book of the same name. She chose Malala Yousafzai, Amy Johnson, Vera Britton, Lee Miller, Jocelyn Bell Burnell, Doreen Lawrence and Vesta Tilly. We're very grateful to Jessica for some of the music in this episode and we've given her the last word today to tell us why she made that final choice on the list.
4: I chose Vesta Dilly because um I was basing the tracks on this album each on a portrait from a book um published by the National Portrait Gallery of 100 pioneering women and um I was just really drawn to her portrait it was a photograph of her bike dressed as a man um looking very cheeky kind of looking to one side and the image just captured my imagination. I I didn't really know much about her, and as I read more, I discovered how successful she was, what an incredible performer she was. Um, back at the time when it wasn't that common for women to be so successful and financially independent, and I thought, um, she had a, a such a sense of humor and such a sense of joy in her work, but um, it would make for a very fun, upbeat, entertaining, musical, orchestral portrait and um, that was in contrast to some of the other portraits that I had chosen which were slightly more reflective or, or, or more romantic or darker. Hers was just one of joy and playfulness so that's why I chose her.
0: you for listening to famous people you've never heard of if you've enjoyed this week's podcast and would like to find out more do take a look at the show notes where you'll find further information and reading material as well as a transcription of today's episode if you like what we do and would like to support our work please check out our patreon page which can be found at patreon.com slash theater or if you prefer to keep us going with a caffeine fix you can do so at coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash theater We really appreciate any support you can give to help keep the show on the road. And we'd also love it if you give the show a rate and a review. It really helps us to remain visible out there. And don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, where we'd love to see you.